What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Churchosity Podcast. If you're looking for a place to have fun and edifying conversations about church culture, then you have landed in the right spot. My name is Heath Brady. And I'm Andrea Brady. And we are your Churchosity Podcast personnel. Coming at you. Coming at you. How are you today? I am doing exceptionally well. Exceptionally well? Yes. <laughs> well, that's impressive. It's it's good to be up. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Yeah. We started watching this show mm. called The Chosen. Yeah. And we've waited a very long time to watch this show for <laughs> lots of reasons, but we won't get into that. But some close friends of ours have been pestering me for like four months. That's about right. To watch the show. And so finally, I caved and was like, all right, Andy, you want to watch it with me? (laughs) And in case any of you have been living under a rock for the last three years, The Chosen is a biopic tale about the ministry and life of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And I have probably mentioned this before on our show, but I'll say it now Mm. that I tend to shy away from these types of things because I find most of them to be either really corny. Right. Or poorly done. Yeah. Or unbiblical. Yeah. Yeah. Bordering heretical. <laughs> Border, yeah, sometimes even borderline heretical. Uh, because, you know, I'm a theology guy. I'm a Bible student. That stuff all matters to me. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So we started watching it, and two minutes in, I'm hooked. It's good, isn't it? It's really, really good. Yeah. So needless to say, in like a week's time... Mm-hmm. I think you and well, we finished season one and started season two. Let's just say I can't watch an episode without having a tissue box oh, nearby because I, I will cry. Yeah. Every episode, there's it's tugging at the heartstrings. <laughs> right. I mean, and not in a weird way, but just kind of really feeling the emotions of it. It's yeah. really good. So this isn't like a plug for that show or anything like that, <laughs> but um, if you're looking for something edifying, yeah, check it out. Yeah, I give it a thumbs up. Yeah, yeah. Don't want to say too much about it, but <laughs> we're only in the first season. Yeah, well, we're so. in season two now. Oh, yeah, are. we started season two with our last episode. Oh, okay, perfect. There's three seasons that are streamable, mm-hmm. and supposedly season four is like in the theaters or going to be in the theaters or something. Hmm. I don't know. All right. That's how far out of the loop I am on The Chosen. But mm-hmm. anyway, as I said, if you're looking for something edifying, check it out. If you don't like it, <laughs> send us a message and let us know why. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, anyway, how are you doing, Andy? I'm good. I have some news. Uh oh, you have news? Mm-hmm. Do share. Well, we uh, pulled the trigger and launched our website. 
<laughs> it's kind of been a work in, in progress for a while. And now we have churchosity.com. Yes, churchosity.com. Where you can find all things churchosity related. All things. All the links are there yeah. for all of our socials and for our podcast episodes and blogs. Yes. We just started doing that. So, yeah. Mm hmm. It's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We wanted to make sure that before we dive into our conversation on this episode, that we encourage all of you, go check out our website, mm-hmm. churchosity.com. As you said, Andy, it is the home for all things churchosity, not just podcast episodes. Right. So give it a gander, hang out for a while, and enjoy. We also want to remind everyone, if you would be so kind, give us a rating and leave us a review because ratings and reviews not only help popularize churchosity but also make us a heck of a lot easier for other people to find us well andy yeah on this episode (laughs) it's gonna be a downer (laughs) (laughs) sorry i laughed yeah (laughs) well not really it doesn't have to be a downer but we're going to cover a very important topic. Yes, we are. We don't talk enough about. I agree. Yeah. Well, we've never really talked about it at all on our show. No, we haven't. That would be the subject of grief. Yes. Grief. Grief. Good grief. Good grief, Charlie Brown. Yeah. <laughs> grief. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very real thing. And uh, this isn't a conversation about like depression and anxiety and stuff like that. Although those things are definitely related to grief. Mm -hmm. And we have much to say about that relationship. But I want to preface the conversation with a couple of things. First of all, neither Andrea nor myself are psychologists. No. We are not licensed practitioners in the medical field of any sort. But... We do have experience both in ministry and personally in dealing with the subject of grief, Mm -hmm. whether that's our own personal experience or walking through that experience with others as well. Yeah. And so we have some observations, (laughs) we have some concerns, and we have some helps. Yes, we do. I think that will be constructive for this conversation. I don't know if we're going to be able to fit all of that into one episode. So we might have to have a couple of episodes for all of that. That's totally fine. Okay. Because as you said, Andy, I don't think that the subject of grief is something that is talked about nearly enough. Right. Especially in church culture. Mm -hmm. So that's what you got us for, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) We talk about the tough stuff sometimes. And the subject of grief is definitely a tough subject to discuss, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I I wanted to kind of kick off the conversation by suggesting that, especially because it is so directly related to depression and anxiety, that the concept of grief or grieving is possibly a really tough subject for not just our church culture to handle but our culture in general yeah it would seem that as a whole in our culture in our society the way that 
things are structured. Grief is something that is kind of expected to be a one-size-fits-all process for everybody. <laughs> Especially, like, I'm thinking along the lines of employment. Right. Oh, like, you only get one week or three days. And yeah. You gotta like, be over I, and come back. <laughs> yeah. Like, I worked for a large aerospace company, and, you know, if there was... For instance, a relative passed away. You got three days of bereavement leave and then you had to be up and at him and right back at it like nothing ever happened. Right. And, you know, then they would have the audacity to wonder why you're so quiet, you're so detached, you're so etc. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also think that that type of insensitivity to the whole aspect of grief and grieving is something that in the church culture, we've kind of adopted the same type of practices. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just talking about like mourning the loss of death of a relative or friend or anything. I'm talking about grief in general. Yeah, there's a lot of things that can cause you to grieve. And Mm -hmm. it's not just um, death. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of sad to me that in our culture, we primarily associate the mere concept of grief with mourning the loss of life of someone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a, like you said, there's a whole like spectrum of reasons why we grieve and we could do a year's worth of podcasts to address (laughs) each one that we could come up with. But let's come up with a few examples. Let's unpack some examples. Okay. How about grieving as we age like maybe you've been diagnosed with some kind of a non-curable disease and you can't change it it's you have to your life is going to be impacted and quality of life might be impacted for the rest of your life because of this diagnosis Mm. so i'm sure there's a grieving process that you go through Mm -hmm. um or a loss of a job yes um when you leave leaving anything like you could be moving you could be you know relocating um you don't get to see your friends and family as much um you could be leaving a church and you're grieving that loss Mm -hmm. because it's you're losing your community and maybe even friendships yeah yeah and kind of along those same lines if you had a ministry Mm. and you had to leave that ministry for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. um, those people, those lives, those families that you were so closely intertwined with and serving and loving on, uh, you don't get to be there with them anymore. Right. And that, that definitely is something that is grievous. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I think, you know, even if you're like, maybe you graduated, like maybe from high school or yeah, you can grieve something like that, even though it's supposed to be a joyous occasion. Which like, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that rite of passage is something to celebrate. Yeah. But yeah, that whole, that whole kind of shift into quote unquote adulthood. Yeah. And leaving all of the innocence and easiness of life behind, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. And facing the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the uncertainty of it all, mm-hmm. the overwhelming change of 
context. Like if you go away to college yeah, and you're just like one warm body in a sea of thousands. <laughs> right. And you're forced to have a roommate that is a total stranger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, as, <laughs> as I'm talking about it, I'm starting to get some anxiety here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's definitely mm, a good example that's yeah. very familiar with our culture. Or even just, you know, growing up and leaving home or um, if you're an empty nester, your your children mm. not not being at home anymore and or move your children move away and go to college or your children get married and move away and right um there's a little grief in that yeah you know and everybody's different but um there's there's the emptiness syndrome that's a real thing yes i agree mm-hmm. yeah i think of you know because we're gen xers i th- there's a famous episode for me hmm. from the old show family ties oh yeah when uh with Michael J. Fox. Yes. And Alex Keaton, the the son, the oldest child, he's going away to college. Like he's moving out and going off to college. And like the whole week leading up to his moving out, his mother is like avoiding him. Huh. And uh, by the end of the episode, she's like in total denial that he's actually leaving. Like it, it's like this whole s- syndrome that she's in, if you will. Mm-hmm. This like denial phase that, you know, her son, her firstborn, the, you know, the child that made her a mom in the first place is going off to college and won't be there anymore. Wow. And, and I have referred to that in, in some counseling sessions as, as the Elise Keaton syndrome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know, it, the reality is, Andy, is that grief can be for a myriad of reasons, and everybody grieves differently. Mm-hmm. And that is such a deep and difficult conversation because, let's face it, there is no one size fits all for a grieving process. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Although some of the experts, quote unquote experts, have identified like five stages of grief. Oh, yes. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah, I have. Um, I mean, I know it's different for everyone, but universally, it just kind of seems like that these five stages are... Pretty common. Yeah, that they're pretty common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to hear what they are? Yeah. Okay. Well, one thing I want to make clear is that even though I'm listing them off, you can jump back and forth between them. It's not necessarily a linear progression, but the first one is denial. The second one is anger. The third one is bargaining. And the fourth one is depression. And the fifth one is acceptance. Wow. I'm sure that there's more than five in my life, but... (laughs) Well, I'm sure you could throw in a few others. Yeah, but those five, man, they really hit home. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I thought of examples of my own personal grief, as you mentioned, each one of those five. Mm -hmm. I think think it's safe to say that those are common. Yeah. In one degree or another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think one of the times in my life when I've grieved the most was when my father passed away. And I think about the stages of grief that I went through after he died. 
And it's hard to say how long I grieved. I don't think I really had an appropriate supportive environment in which I could grieve. So I don't know, some of my healing from the grief probably took place years later. But in the moment right after he passed, I was definitely in denial. Mm. And I went back and forth between denial and bargaining. Yeah, that bargaining one. Can can you unpack that for a little <laughs> bit? Because I have a whole slew of ideas of what that means. And I want to make sure I'm thinking of the right one. Well, I think that in the bargaining stage, a lot of people try to negotiate with God or make deals with him. Mm, if <laughs> you just get me out of this, then I promise I'll fill in the blank. Yeah. Ah, yes. In order to reverse it or um, to alleviate the pain that you're experiencing. Because you want to go back to the way things were. Right. So I remember, I know this sounds really terrible, but at my father's funeral, I remember looking at his casket and thinking, Lord, if it's your will, you could just raise him up like Lazarus. Mm. And I know that's illogical. And I know that it's, <laughs> impo- well, not impossible, but in- unlikely. But in the moment, you start bargaining. Like, Lord, I know you're capable why, why don't you? Or yeah. why did you choose to take him? And um, I don't think that my feeling at that moment is an uncommon one. Sure. Because um, even up to the point, we you know, when they buried him, I was still hoping for something. I yeah. don't know why. Mm-hmm. But um, And that's a part of denial also. But going back and forth, um, I think I was bargaining when I knew that he was um, terminal you know, that he was going to die. Sure. And I was bargaining then too. Um, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've tried to, I, I would go so far as to say that I haven't just tried to bargain, but I've bartered with the <laughs> Lord. I've haggled with the Lord. Oh yes. Haggling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Abraham. What if there's just one righteous man left? Will you, will you save the city? Mm. Yeah. That's That's so true. Mm -hmm. So true. Yeah. Yeah. The denial of it. Yeah. I think that one's pretty common. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, like the protective mechanism Mm -hmm. in your mind to try to get over the shock of your loss. Um, Or that you're going through something. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think that with, with the stage of denial that can present, so many different ways in and of itself you know like i can't believe that i'm going through this right now yeah and you just kind of stuff it and you know push that off the plate you know and like i don't want to deal with it i don't want to deal with this right now yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i think that that's really common yeah because there's so much feelings involved emotions Mm -hmm. involved decisions involved Mm mm-hmm action that needs to be taken to either resolve it or go through it mm-hmm. and fear oh yes yeah yeah that's tough it is that's tough yeah yeah definitely i i'm more of a denialer a denialer a denialer <laughs> a you denialer denialer <laughs> better to be a denialer than a defiler I, 
and a bargainer. And I think they go hand in hand a lot. Yeah, they, yeah, I could see that. For me, personally. Yeah, because like... I can I, see if, the relationship between those two. Yeah. For sure, yeah. Because if I'm going through something like that and I'm constantly bargaining with God, you know, mm. trying to, you know, figure it out. Sure. You know, because you got these verses like, you know, if you have faith this, the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Mm. Ask and it will be given to you. You have not because you ask not. Yeah, things like that. And, you know, those come to mind and you're like, okay, well, you know, help me out. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but, you know, we have to realize that when we ask, we have to ask in accordance to God's will. Yeah. And uh, be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've certainly had conversations on our show about knowing God's will too. Mm -hmm. That finding God's will for your life, you know, part of that is trusting in his sovereignty. Exactly. And remembering that on this side of eternity, there is brokenness. Mm -hmm. There, There is imperfection. And that's not a cop out. It's just the reality because of the consequences of original sin, right? Yeah. We have sickness and disease and death and calamities and natural disasters and you name it, right? Yeah. But also remember that there is going to come a day where Jesus makes all things new. That's true. And he will wipe away every tear, as it says in Revelation 21. Mm-hmm. And... If there's any little glimmer of hope to help get through any form of grief, it's remembering that Jesus is the maker of all things new Mm -hmm. and that Jesus is the restorer. And whether it be in this life or in the life which is to come, there will come a day when there will be no more mourning, no more grieving, no more evil, no, no more. He will do away with it all. Right. And in the moment, we do get to cling to the promise that he's with us. Yes, Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. God with us. Right. Amen. You know, Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for mm-hmm. you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen. You know, David, you, men- you mentioned the Psalms. Oh, David, yeah. Mr. Man After God's Own Heart had a lot to say about the subject of grief, even even about depression. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Depths all, of Sheol. Yeah, all, all over the Psalms. You mentioned the depths of Sheol. That's, that's from Psalm 139. Mm-hmm. Verses 7 and 8, David writes, Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? That's like you said, that God is always with us, right? Right. Verse 8, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. Mm-hmm. Now you read that verse and you and it's like, well, obviously, because God is everywhere. Mm-hmm. But what you need to understand, listeners, is that this is a Hebrew metaphor for being exhilarated and being thoroughly depressed. Mm. Because on the one hand, ascending to heaven 
is a beautiful metaphor for like everything is fantastical. <laughs> I'm flying on on cloud nine. Everything's right. going your, great. Your mountaintop experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, I dare say that our grieving processes, mm. our depression, our anxiety, feel like a living hell. Mm-hmm. If I make my bed in the depths of Sheol, behold, mm. you are there. As you said, Andy, God is with us mm-hmm. all of the time. Mm-hmm. We're never left alone. And what what fascinates me about this verse and several others that I could read, there's a myriad of verses in scripture that that deal with the reality of grief and depression and anxiety. David was a man after God's own heart, and yet he authentically experienced bouts of depression, anxiety, and grief. Yes. He writes in Psalm 34:18, "The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit." Mm-hmm. Now, what I like about that verse is nowhere does it say that a person who is brokenhearted or crushed in spirit is condemned for it. No, is to be chastised for it. Right. Okay. Uh, Psalm 147, verse three: He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Again, no condemnation. No criticism for being brokenhearted. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, a, a verse of hope. Yes. And I think, you know, we really need to cling to those verses of hope when yeah. we're going through it. I mean, we may not feel it in the moment, but we can definitely acknowledge that God promises these things and we just have to hold on. 100%. Uh, Psalm seventy-three twenty-six. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Mm, my portion. Yeah. Psalm 31, verses 9 and 10. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. <laughs> my eye is wasted from grief. Oh, gosh, yes. My soul mm. and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. Boy, if that isn't a description of what grief and depression looks like. Yeah, I've I've definitely felt that. You know? <laughs> Crazy, huh? I can really feel it when I when I hear those words. I'm like, oh yes. And those I just you know, the Psalms are so comforting. Yeah. Yeah. So we've dealt with, let's see, we've talked about the denial and we've talked about the bargaining, but I skipped over anger. We could do a whole episode on anger. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people say that, you know, when the denial stage begins to fade away, that you start to feel the raw intensity of of pain Mm -hmm. and it becomes anger. And you can have all sorts of emotions, like from uh, frustration to resentment. And you just have to recognize that it's a normal response to loss. And it doesn't mean that you have a lack of faith or that you're weak or that you're not resilient. And you just need to um, lean into that. Yeah. Because it's a part of the healing process. I think also in addition to that, remember Mm -hmm. that... Scripture says to be angry, yet do not sin. Exactly. Ephesians 4.26, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So no condemnation or criticism for being angry. 
it's what you do with that anger. Right. I, I wanted to make sure we made that point because mm-hmm. I love how you mentioned, Andy, that it is a natural part of the process of grief to experience anger about something. Yeah. And, you know, depending on the situation, there's some fairness and equality in the anger that we feel, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I'll tell you right now, I've mentioned my grandfather so many times on our podcast. And when he passed away, I didn't get to say goodbye to him Mm. because he passed away while out of town. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was so angry about that one thing. I mean, it, it was no secret that he was getting up there in age and that his health was failing and everything. But I did not get to say goodbye to I, I, I wish, you know, talk about bargaining. I would do <laughs> anything if I could just have one more conversation with my grandfather. Oh. And it's not like it, it holds me hostage from the grave or anything. Right. I'm just identifying with the reality of the anger portion mm-hmm. of grief. that I was angry for quite a while that you know my most favorite relative of my entire life the godliest person i'd ever known the man who who was probably the most proudest of me out of every other human that walked the face of the earth was taken from me that's how it felt yeah because i if i i felt like if i had had the chance to say goodbye to him it wouldn't have felt like he was taken from me yeah does that make sense yeah totally yeah of course i mean i'm over it now yeah trust me well, do we ever really get over it 100%? Oh, I miss my grandpa so much. <laughs> I miss him so much. I know. And it's been a long time since he passed away. Yeah. But I get that. I, I get that anger phase a lot. I mean, it might just, it hurts a little bit. Yeah. You can get over the anger part, but, you know, it's still, it's always going to hurt a little bit. Yeah. If I had a nickel for every time I was going through something and I and I'd be like, man, if my grandpa was here, he would know what to say. <laughs> I know. I know what that feels like. Yeah. I miss There's also that anger or resentment that might exist because whatever it is that you're grieving is the result of being done dirty by somebody. Mm. Yeah. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta give it to him somehow. That might that might be one of those verses that Christians don't like to hear when they're grieving something. No, they don't. But no. it's it's so true. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Well yeah. So what what do you do, do you think, when when you're in that anger phase of your grief, Andy? I mean it's not like you can just be like, take two psalms and call me in the morning. Well, prayer. Yeah. You know, and you can be honest with God, like, Lord, I'm angry. Yeah. But the word says, be angry, but do not sin. Mm -hmm. So help me because I'm weak and you are strong. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could just be that simple to help a little. Trust in him and and just talk to him in prayer. Honest prayers. Sincere, honest prayer. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I think that's that's a great place to start because mm-hmm. it kind of sets, it kind of realigns the heart with the Lord. Yeah. In that moment. Doesn't negate the fact that you're grieving, but it's bringing it before the Lord, like in Proverbs 3. In all your ways, acknowledge him, mm-hmm. you know, bring it to his attention, submit to him, 
literally in the Hebrew, and he will make your path straight. Mm-hmm. Like that's part of it, that submission to the Lord. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, even in the midst of our grief, we still should strive to please the Lord with our life. Exactly. To give him glory. And I know that that almost sounds like an oxymoron that grief that within a grieving process the lord can somehow be glorified mm-hmm. but it is possible especially if we go through our grieving process from the vantage point of trusting in the lord with all of our hearts and not leaning on our own understanding of it yeah you know mm-hmm. i think that we're gonna have to definitely continue this conversation on our next episode because this is some really good stuff amen yeah but i i wanted to kind of draw this episode to a close with something pretty cool okay maybe a little controversial uh oh about why i believe it's totally okay and totally natural for grief and sorrow and depression being a real thing and and i and i stress that especially in church culture we need to address the reality of this mm-hmm. instead of just brushing it off right You know, Jesus experienced grief. He did. Like severely. Mm -hmm. And I can think of two major examples of this. The other one I will address on our next episode. (laughs) What's the first one? Well, the first one is found in literally my favorite chapter in all of Scripture. Oh. Which also contains my favorite verse in all of (laughs) Scripture. John 11. John 11. Exactly. John's my favorite book. (laughs) John 11 is my favorite chapter. John 11, 35 is my favorite verse. Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. Now, first of all, let me just say, for those who don't know, Heath Brady is a very emotional guy. <laughs> I cry. Yeah. And I have been embarrassed about that virtually my entire life. So much so that there was a period in my 20s where I literally went before the Lord and begged him to take it away Hmm. because I was so ashamed because that's the culture, right? Yeah. Uh, Not to drift off into the weeds, but I'm a guy. You mean man up? Yeah. Man up culture? Yeah. Okay. You can't get emotional. You're a guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Especially in church culture. Mm. So there's this shame and embarrassment that come along with the grief, right? Yeah. Well, one day, my baby sister, who I believe was probably in like the second or third grade at the time. Oh. We were, I was crying and she came up and she sat with me and she said, Heathy, now none of you get to call me that. <laughs> she said, Heathy, it's okay to cry because Jesus cried. Oh. And if Jesus cried, then anybody can cry. That's right. And it changed my perspective. Mm-hmm. But in context of John eleven thirty five is the telling of Lazarus, mm-hmm. Jesus's best friend, dying. Yeah. And when Jesus goes to handle this situation, he comes into the city and Martha comes up to him Like she runs to him on the outskirts of the city and is like, Lord, if you'd been here, my uh, my brother wouldn't have died. (laughs) Blame, play the blame game. (laughs) Well, no, 
No, let me correct you there. Because okay. most people look at this as a confrontation. Yeah. It's an it's no, it's not a confrontation. In the Greek, it is not a confrontation. It's an acknowledgement of the obvious. Well, it's true. If you'd been here, you would have healed him. Yes, Ah. because the next verse, 22, says, Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And then Jesus says, Your brother will rise again. But then further down in the chapter, Mary is still back at the house. Mm -hmm. She hasn't come out to see Jesus. So he he goes to the house, and then Mary gets up and comes outside with all of the other people that are around her mourning the loss of Lazarus. Yeah. It says in verse 31, the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Mm -hmm. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same conversation yeah same statement uh-huh. but catch this verse 33 when jesus therefore saw her weeping and the jews who came with her also weeping he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled hmm. and in the greek it literally says grieved oh jesus experienced grief mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because his best friend had died right so then He says, where have you laid him? Meaning Lazarus. Mm -hmm. And they said to him, Lord, come and see. So when he sees where the tomb is, John 11, 35, Jesus wept. Mm. Verse 36. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. Jesus' best friend had died. Mm -hmm. And in his humanity, he experienced grief to the point of shedding tears, weeping. In the Greek, it's like sobbing. So I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, grief is real. Yeah. It is not a made-up thing. It is symptomatic, and it contributes to various conditions. But I want to encourage all of you, not only... Did Jesus, our Lord and Savior, experience grief? But he is with us while we are going through our own grief. And that's all we have to say about that. Thank you for listening to the Churchosity podcast. On our next episode, we're going to dig a little deeper into this conversation about grief and talk a little bit about depression and anxiety. Over to you, Andy. Be sure to check out our website. That's churchosity.com. There you can follow us on all the socials, become a Churchosity Patreon, and drop us a message and give us your feedback because we'd really love to hear from you. And don't forget to spread the word about Churchosity Podcast by just simply telling a friend to tell a friend what we're doing here. Yeah, let them be a part of the conversation too. But always remember that the goal of our instruction is love. From a pure heart. And from a good conscience and a sincere faith. So we thank each and every one of you again for listening, and we hope to catch all of you on the next episode of Churchosity Podcast. Peace. Peace.